right, Inappropriate Earl is back. Back for more, as Stephen Piercy from Rat would say, my buddy. And a lot of you have been asking me, uh, how come I don't do the podcast as much? Well, to be honest with you, I've lost a little motivation to do it. I, I just went on Apple Podcasts, and I have 220 reviews. Now, I have over uh, 800,000 listens on SoundCloud and 213 reviews. Come on, man. You guys got to step it up or I'm going to stop doing this because I don't ask for much. I don't get paid any money to do this. I'm trying to build a fan base for the Earl of Maniacs. It takes 30 seconds to log into Apple Podcasts and click like, dislike, five stars, one star, and then bingo. That's it. It's free. I'm giving you free entertainment. So I've lost a little bit of motivation to do this, but today might be the spark I needed because this guy's uh, the real deal, as they say in Hollywood. He talks shit. He names names. It's not Eddie Ift. Uh, you know, I'm more passive aggressive in my uh, voicing of my displeasures. Uh, I won't name names on the podcast because I don't want to give whoever I have you know, it's really only one or two people I have a beef with. I don't want to give them any recognition because in their warped minds, they think, oh, my God, I'm being mentioned on a podcast. I'm doing well. Uh, especially like one dude I had a beef with. He's like, oh, you just go on a bunch of podcasts nobody listens to and talk about me. But yet you knew every word I said. Hmm. This guy names names. Uh, he's a very funny man. Uh, I've got some skeletons in his closet that I cannot divulge. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a new breed of comics out there that, like, are gaining um, notoriety. I don't know if fame's the right word, uh, but they're gaining exposure through uh, almost intentionally burning bridges. Uh, I am not at the point where I can burn bridges. This might be the longest intro I've ever given someone, but I respect that the guy lays it out there Put your grubby sausage hands together after you leave a review for Inappropriate Earl and welcome Chad Zumach. This would be when you talk into the microphone. Oh! What do you think I'm doing here? I, I thought you were doing an intro. I think I'm doing a cold reading? I, I, was, I was expecting a theme song to kick in. No, no, that's not in the budget. You know, a lot. speaking of which, a lot of people have been asking me, how come you're not in the top 10 anymore? Yeah, weren't you like top 10? I was number one for one Saturday. That's pretty cool. I, well, I'm not sure how I did it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Tyler, the creator, sent out a tweet about me, although he didn't include the link. He's like, hey, listen to my dad's podcast, you know, from the Jellies. And he has like four million fans. Yeah. On Instagram. Do you have brass knuckles on your mic? These are the only remaining sponsor of Inappropriate Earl. <laughs> These are Mike Knuckles by the singer from Rat, Stephen Piercy. Oh. So if you ever see Rat in concert, uh, he has these on. These are, it's his company. It's just a cool microphone holder. Yeah, I just thought you're. it's a dangerous podcast and you need, just in case things get weird, you got the brass knuckles. You know, I mean, for me, I only have people on that I like. So uh, I haven't had one person on this podcast that I have not wanted to talk to. Uh, so I, I've never really felt, uh, any fear. Or this isn't going to go well. I've had one interview not go great just and now this is me being passive aggressive. I won't mention the name. 
Okay. Uh, because they were nice enough to come here. I do respect that people take their time to come here. You know, I know it's a pain in the ass. And a lot of these uh, celebrities or whatever you want to say they are, right. they don't know who I am. So it's like, do I really want to come to some stranger's house? But this particular person didn't want to talk about anything that they had done in the past. Oh, I hate these people. Well, I get it to a degree because every podcast I go on, the first seven questions are, tell us about Roast Battle. Tell us about Jimmy Carr. Tell us about, uh, you know, your rise and fall on the show. It's like, there's only so many times you can tell a story. Yeah. Uh, and that's Roast Battle. I can, this particular guest was known for one music video and... and I'm, I'm kind of giving away who it is, but like once again, they were very nice to come. Tony Katane? No, no, she was great. She she said, "Earl, I'll talk to you about anything, but you know who?" And that would be the Mr. baseball player. No, no, she talked about Chuck Finley. She talked about David Coverdale. She talked about Robin Crosby from Rat, who was her first love. Uh, and just to show you how crazy you think Tony Katane doesn't have a heart, like it's Tony Katane. She's you know, had a fair amount of relationships with men. She gets up to leave, and over my uh, computer desk, I had, it's not there now, uh, I had a picture of Robin Crosby. Ooh. And, I mean, I'm not gay, but Robin Crosby was a good-looking dude. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just, I want to look like that. And she used to make love to him. She That was her childhood, high school uh, boyfriend, and, and uh, you know, in the first couple rat videos, they were still, I think, together, and she started crying holy shit so i gave her the poster uh and uh she she didn't want to talk about oj simpson because she Ooh. may or may not have been the mistress Ooh. Uh, at a certain point of uh, oj's life uh but uh, you know you're close you're without going any further you're real close uh, okay so uh but i it was like well if you're only known for this video and maybe another tv show where you won the, the spokesmodel uh portion of this sh uh, show star search I, I mean i might as well just say her name now but uh i was like what else you want to talk about like, yeah like you know so it was a tough it was the i think one of the wendy liebman what the fuck <laughs> was judy carter uh, we talked about uh you know the comedy bible uh but you know it, it's like uh but then i had the guy uh jack o'halloran from superman 2 on who's primarily only known for superman 2 well, who he, did he play he played I, you know this is why i do this podcast and i'm being completely serious like like maron just had david lee roth on i would love to have david lee roth on. yeah rogan i mean every guest rogan has uh outside of the scientists because I, I would like to have david lee roth on 20 years ago See, I'd like to have him now because he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Like he talks about like, you know, flat earth. And it's like, dude, yeah, you're the singer from Van Halen. That's all I want. You know, let's talk about that. Uh, but is he still, is he still the lead singer of Van Halen? Kind of. Because um, they released that album, which I thought was pretty good. I know it was old B-sides and. Well, I mean, he doesn't really sing the songs anymore. It's more spoken word. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kiss at least lip syncs. Uh, so you have the illusion of them singing the songs. Yeah. Uh, I always wondered why they, before their tour, uh, went into the studio to re-record all the songs they were going to play in concert. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, like, so I started this podcast, and we're going to get into you. But this is 
Well, I'm a fan. I binged a couple of these when I was in Vegas. Well, thank you. But this is part of the charm of, of how I do it anyway. I, I don't plan a question, so we could talk for the next hour about David Lee Roth. Uh, but we're, I want to get into your... I'd be uh, down with that. ...aggressive uh, tweeting. And, yeah. Uh, that's really why I wanted to have you on. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, so that well, I'm not going to get a list. The only person that would have me on at this point. <laughs> Why not? I mean, you know, I might. I don't agree with a lot of things you uh, said about a certain comic. We'll get into who later. But like, hey, it's like, uh, you know, you can't agree with everyone on everything. I, I'm sure there's people I like you don't. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, there's people I don't like, uh, not many, but like one or two that I'm blown away that people love working with them. Like, it's just like, maybe I'm the asshole. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't need my 15 minutes that bad. Uh, but so, you know, I, I have all people on who, uh, you know. You don't discriminate. Well, uh, no, it's like I had a friend of mine recently, uh, well, let me finish the Jack O'Halloran story. So I, early on in this podcast, figured I'm not going to get big celebrities on. They're not going to know who I am. They're not going to want to go on some guy's podcast they've never heard of before. So I said, I'm going to reach out to like people from the 80s who probably want to be interviewed. So I was one day watching Superman 2. I'm like, ah, Terrence Stamp is probably not going to be uh, eager to do this podcast. He was the main bad guy. General- was Zod? Yeah, he was Zod. Yeah, he's probably not going to do it. That would be cool. The girl, eh, she's probably Ileana Douglas. Eh, she probably doesn't want to do it. I'm like, what about the guy who didn't talk? Nom. Like, that would be an interesting guest. Yeah, I would listen to that. And I, I, I he's probably not on Twitter. I didn't even know if he was alive. <laughs> I looked up Jack O'Halloran. He's on Twitter. And I reached out to him. He said, can we do Skype? I'm like, no, I don't do Skype. Said, can we do a phoner? Like, no, I don't do phone. You got to come to me. And he lives, I think, in Long Beach or somewhere semi-far. And he's got to be in his 70s, you know. Uh, and I, I feel bad, but I made him come to me. And Look at Earl putting down the foot like, you got to come to me. Well, I would do it by uh, Skype or, or, I mean, I sure, I sure, uh, what am I, Shaq? Uh, I'm sure I have the <laughs> capabilities but I don't know how to do it, um, you know. So I and I like talking to someone in yeah, the room. It's more intimate. I have my favorite hockey player, Barry Beck, who now lives in uh, China. He's the guy who got me into watching hockey. I said I reached out to him very much like Jack O'Halloran. Uh, I'm your biggest fan. You got me into watching hockey. Would you, if you're ever in LA, would you come on my podcast? And he's like, I'll do it right now. I'm like, well, you're in China. He's like, oh, can you do it over the phone? I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I mean, I would. So I try and get weird guests like that. No, it's cool. I like to. And Jack O'Halloran was amazing because I didn't realize that before Superman 2, he was a world-class heavyweight boxer. Didn't know that either. Like he was scheduled to fight Muhammad Ali. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a cool. And he said Ali was afraid to fight him, which I would agree. Is he a big man still at age he's, 70? probably uh in in his boxing days he was probably six six damn 240 250 natural too i mean and so now he's probably about six three i mean he's definitely you know not shrunk but like gotten a little small it's like hogan hogan yeah but he's still a big dude like even at 70 years old or however old he is right 
I would not want to fuck with this guy. Yeah. Uh, and he was great. Two and a half hours. He got into conspiracy theories. Uh, I mean, I think Tripoli would love him. We'll yeah. get into him. I know that's one of your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once again, this guy I'm friends with. But hey, you know, um, <laughs> don't I don't. Over 15 uh, years. Uh, you know, whatever. So uh, you know, and then I wanted to get people like you that I'm just friends with. And that would enjoy talking. Well, I'm no Virgil, but but that's another guess. It's like <laughs> this is a dude I watched since I was a kid. I'm gonna reach out. Is to... it trippy for you to have him in your house? Like this? Is it like kind of surreal and weird? It is because you, you like my house. <laughs> like when I had this. Yeah, I mean, it's like literally like Virgil is in my house. I was like, watching your Instagram live. <laughs> Just it's so weird. And he's crazy. <laughs> like all he would talk about is how big his dick was. <laughs> He's got, I got a 14 inch hog. I'm like, oh. and by the looks of him, he's probably not lying. Yeah. He just, he just looks like he has a big dick. Yeah. Uh, so it's like to have the singer from Rad on, like my favorite singer of all time is in my house. Uh, you know, Tawny Katane, Bobby Brown. Uh, Wait, Bobby, prerogative Bobby Brown? No, no. Uh, the Cherry Pie Girl. Ah. Uh, and uh, there's another Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, and there's a Bobby Brown makeup. Uh, so there's like three Bobby Browns, and then there's like the crackhead Bobby Brown. Uh, so, but you know, like, then I want to interview my comedy friends. Yeah. And one of my favorite reviews on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts is this guy. Uh, it's like, I used to love this guy's podcast. He had the guy on from Rat and the guy on from Cinderella, and now he just has a bunch of unknown comics unsubscribed. And, <laughs> He took the time to write that. I but I appreciate it. Like you can't take down uh, negative reviews on uh, Apple, but I wouldn't take it down anyway. Like you know, okay, yeah. give me feedback. I mean, I get it, but like, who am I supposed to interview? Tom yeah, if you're Cruise? tuning in right now and you're disappointed with me, I apologize. I I wish I was the lead singer of Rat. I wish I was in Superman too, but I'm not. Well, you know, I, I try and give uh, people, uh, you know, if they have a long drive, uh, you know, just some mindless uh, babble. Uh, I mean, obviously, I would love to get like a list. You know, I would love to have Rogan and Mark Maron on. Uh, you know, they just I, won't come over. I haven't asked them just because I figure they tell me no. Uh, but you know, because I watch Glow. Do you watch Glow? I watched the first two episodes and I tapped out. I mean, I like it just because I'm a, you know, we're both huge wrestling fans and I get the, uh, I remember when glow was on the air when I was younger. Uh, yeah. I mean, wasn't it called something else though? Like the women, the wonderful women of wrestling. I think that was the one Eleanor was in. Cause I know there was one I used to watch with it, queen Kong. She was this huge white girl and she was in a lot of eighties movies. Uh, um, that's the one I watched. I thought it was the world worldwide women of wrestling or something. Uh, and Eleanor, the great Eleanor Kerrigan uh, was uh, easy rider. Yes. Uh, so I like it just cause I get, I think if you don't like pro wrestling, you don't get the, the right. The side storylines of the bitterness and the jealousy. And Marion's fantastic in it. Oh yeah. He's, I don't know if he was a wrestling fan. He doesn't strike me as someone who no, he like, wasn't. I, I heard him talk about, he's like, he had to learn about it as he's, you know, doing his method so uh yeah but he's great it's like the the wacky producer uh but you know so but it is you know discouraging like when you it's like you have a what's your podcast called sit down zumok podcast on the comedy pop-up network i've had earl on before go listen to it right now 
Yeah, yeah. Well, don't listen to it right now because then you won't be listening to this. <laughs> That's uh, true. But you know, you so you appreciate the hard work it is. It's a pain in the ass promoting, it's, getting guests. I got a bump in numbers uh, just from being consistent. Well, that was another thing at my peak of uh, charting. I, I would crank out at least one a week every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, you know, it was religious. Uh, and then I think someone reported me for a music violation, which is crazy because I have the permission for the music that I use. Assholes. Uh, well, I have no proof, but like Apple Podcasts was not and is not very helpful because uh, they were like, we did two investigations. You did nothing wrong, but we don't manipulate the charts. And I'm like, I don't want fake charting position, but like I was at number eight was my last known chart position. Just put me back at number eight. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, we can't do that. You know, we have algorithms and all that stuff. But, you know, it just looked suspicious that I was number eight and then the next day out, off the charts completely. And they're like, well, you know, you can fall. It's, no, it's like no one falls 192 spots in one day. Yeah. I probably looked at you like an outsider. Well, I am on no network, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. No, Rogan's not on a network. Yeah, I mean, Aaron's I know not he, on one. But Rogan was on Death Squad, right? Yeah, once upon a time. Uh, and then I think Marin's off on his... I like being on my own. Uh, it's kind of like you anyway. Long Wolf, Gunslinger, Late Night Guy. Yeah, I mean... Rose Battle Champion. Well, I'm not a champion. I never... Uh, I never won the title. But you beat that faggot Jimmy Carr. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, see, that's what I love about you. I love Jimmy. But it is funny. People think me and Jimmy don't like each other. I don't know him, so. He's amazing. Oh, I, I, yeah, he seems like he has his shit together. Like, Well, it, he doesn't need roast battle. And that's not to put roast battle down. But like Jimmy Carr is probably right now the number one comic in the world. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There goes my feature week. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know how. You're probably right, because he will hear that. And uh, Jimmy's not someone I would want to be on the wrong side of. Yeah, uh, I, I have. No, I don't know him. I have nothing against him. So, Jimmy, that's Chad Zumach's uh, views, not mine. <laughs> but I love Jimmy. Uh, he's always very, very nice to me. And, uh, you know, it's funny how people think, you know, we hate each other. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that on TV, you well, going up against them. Well, it's controversial. Uh, not that I want to talk about roast battle, but like a lot of people don't think I beat them. Uh, but I don't think they got the point of what the judges were saying, uh, which was Jimmy, uh, for roast battle anyway, reads his jokes. Yeah. And I'll just say this. It's a lot easier to read them. I had one joke that bombed completely because I forgot the beginning of it. I, I'll be honest with you. I was shitting my pants. Oh, yeah, there. you're on national TV, man. I I, it. it was my first time on any sort of comedy uh, platform on television. Uh, and I knew that uh, they wanted Jimmy to win the whole thing. Right. Because the next month was the Rob Lowe roast. And, and he know, was on that. Yeah, so it was just like complete, made complete sense that they could do maybe a little bit of cross-promoting by saying, hey, here's Roast Battle, season one champion, Jimmy Carr. Uh, you know, and that, you know. I remember hearing on uh, Barry Katz episode, you were saying it was really weird backstage after that. Well, I, I walked up there and I could tell Jimmy Carr's team was like, this is bullshit. He didn't beat Jimmy. And uh, it, it's like uh, the judges, you know, it, it, and once again, I didn't want to talk about Roast Battle that much, but, you know, but. On every television battle, Moses and Jeff Ross will be like, uh, it's a joke writing showcase, but uh, 
Uh, also included in the voting is uh, audience reaction, uh, judges' interpretation, and, uh, you know, performance. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so when you include all that, I, I do believe I beat him. Uh, if it was just the jokes, since I had one that didn't work, he beat me. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the jokes. And it is, uh, it's not cheating necessarily, but, like, it's just easier to read your jokes. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, and it's not that it, people come up to me all the time still. And this is, like, almost three or four years ago. Uh, you don't think Jimmy Carr can memorize four jokes? Clearly, the guy does an hour and a half yeah. of comedy every night. Uh, he can memorize for it. But it's 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 combat, you know, so it's not, you know, I would have loved to have had uh, notes or uh, just the jokes right in front of me. Mm -hmm. They even asked me, the producer was like, hey, since he reads his jokes, you want to read yours off a teleprompter? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Uh, so, uh, you know, but it was... You know, he he didn't care if he won or lost, I don't think. You know, he doesn't need roast battles. Right. You know, he makes literally millions. If you see his uh, Twitter feed or Instagram, you know, he's playing theaters every night. Yeah. Playing a comedy club to him is insulting. Yeah. You know, it's like Russell Peters. Like, you know, like yeah. for me, it's a big deal to be passed at the comedy store and do a couple spots a week or whatever. Jimmy Carr's like, uh, I'm, I'll play Nokia live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh you know it was a controversial uh and they always replay that battle so it's like i get it was on a sunday and i get people asking me you know you didn't you don't think you really beat him do you and it's like i, I had no nothing to do with the judging you kicked his ass well no i mean i think it was pretty even <laughs> i'm just messing around. uh <laughs> you know trying to stoke the coals and i think the jimmy kimmel i'd never met before other than the one he judged my roast battle against Jesse Joyce, but I never, I didn't really meet him. He was just a judge that night. Uh, and then uh, Seth Rogen, I met after the Jimmy Carr battle. So a lot of people think Comedy Central fixed it so I would win. Mm. So do you really think they're going to... I could see that logic if I was on the Rob Lowe roast yeah. and you needed to like give me a, a, a rub, like no one's going to know who Earl is. We got to like fix it so he... Well, that just gives me faith in watching it now. I'm like, okay, you don't know what's going to happen. Well, it's pro wrestling judging. I mean, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, there was uh, some other battles in, in, in my season. I didn't watch uh, seasons two or three, uh, but in my season, there were some controversial decisions. Uh, you, you know, it really, like I know if Judd Apatow and um, Sarah Silverman were judging that battle with Jimmy Carr, they would have voted for him still. Yeah, because they would. I think they fancy themselves as more uh, writing uh, connoisseurs, and they're like, "Well, Earl, you had one joke that didn't work, so you mm -hmm. lose." Uh, but uh, John Apatow and his notes he reads on stage too. Well, well I mean, oh, he's uh, you know, I mean, I, I thought uh, his judging was relatively fair, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, I lost to Tiana fair and square, so uh, you know roast battles and i just did it in cluster fest so uh i was definitely in a way game battle because i was battling robin tran a transgendered comic uh oh in san francisco oh you're yeah you're in a way game but i wanted it though yeah. i uh i'm like conor mcgregor i want the toughest battles yeah 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 i want to fight khabib in russia <laughs> i want to fight uh you know who uh george st pierre in montreal uh, and so I was, it was thrown to me, maybe battling Todd Barry, 
who I love and respect. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, it's just two white guys battling, uh, you know, older. I think we're the same age. Uh, I want who else is battling? And they were like, well, Guy Branham's up there, but he's battling Rosebud Baker. Uh, and I'm like, well, who else? And then two drag queens, they they had to battle each other. So I'm like, well, give me the transgender comma. <laughs> and I came out in a dress and they hated me. Like, it was just, <laughs> you know, my opening line kind of fell flat. I'm like, hey, where are my fags fans at? <laughs> Nothing. And it's just like, fuck, man. Uh, politically correct. Well, enough. I mean, roast battle... I don't know if it travels well. Uh, you know, I think in the belly room, it's, you can say all that stuff, and it's like, oh, my God, this guy's hilarious. But I could tell just when I walked out in the dress, they thought I was mocking Robin. And it's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, it's roast battle. Like, she's going to say mean shit to me. I got to cut her off. Uh, but it was fun, you know, to do roast battle in front of, like, 3,000 people. Uh, you know, and to be judged by Neil Brennan, uh, mm. uh, you know, who, well, I mean, he's a joke uh, connoisseur, a writing connoisseur, you know, it's kind of like, all right, let's see. If, and he actually voted for me. So I was like, all right, you know, this wasn't a total loss this weekend. Right. Uh, so, but that's my life. En enough about me. It's another guy that doesn't like me, Neil. But well, let's get into it. Now, you, like I said, I mean, I'm 50 years old, so I'm at the point now where, uh, I can't afford to burn bridges. No. To be honest. Uh, you know, which is uh like why Well, you're on a TV show, you but know, I you're regular. You're but doing, you know, well. it's like when I spoke out about my treatment on Roast Battle, uh, you know, some people were like I mean, I got a lot of comp A level comics going, dude, you should really like cool it because you're burning a bridge with Comedy Central. And I'm like, I'm just saying how I feel. Like I never criticize the network. From the standpoint of, well, don't watch this show, it sucks. Or, right. I never said anything bad about Jeff or Moses. Because, uh, I mean, Jeff Ross got the show on television. That, that, that's just a fact. Wow, he's, Jeff is amazing at getting things on anywhere. Oh, I mean, he's, he's I the, mean, one of the best. Oh, I mean, Roast Battle, before he came along, was literally uh, for two years or whatever it was, before he came on board, was, you know, just a fun show. I mean, I personally liked it better, not because Jeff wasn't involved, but like, there was that first two years where nobody cared about being on TV. Just, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so it was it, punk rock. Yeah, it was. It was. It was an anti alt comedy. It was so. I wish I was around the scene during that time. I think I would have been a part of it. It really was magical. I like, believe it. it. I hear stories. I mean, it was just like just craziness. It was uh, oversold beyond. You know, probably had uh, Chad's getting a phone call right now. It's probably from uh, Kevin Brennan saying. <laughs> Start talking shit. I'm bored. Uh, enough about roast battle. Uh, but it, you know, it lost, in my opinion, it lost a little bit when it got to TV, and then suits got involved. And well, I mean, uh, I mean, like once again, you know, it's like Comedy Central got it, gave it a platform that made me not famous, but like it, it certainly, I, I got a lot of things from the show, so I, I owe a lot to Comedy Central. And yeah, uh, but uh, I, I think it changed a little bit. Well, I was at, when you were at Clusterfest, I was at Skankfest in New York. And if you get a chance, Earl, I don't know if you'll do Clusterfest next year, but you should really look into doing Skankfest because it's, it is right up your alley. Well, I did it once before. Oh, okay. Um, I think three years ago, maybe two, maybe two years ago, where I judged Naked Roast Battle. Oh, okay. With Ari Shafir and Bronson Jones. 
and uh it was the wildest show in 20 years of comedy it's gotten crazier it's uh it's it's blowing up it's gotten bigger it's uh it's it's punk and anarchy it's it's probably everything you were feeling in the early days of rose battle i mean this show i was at it's so hard to explain uh uh and it was a very safe environment like uh because i was like well you know i'm on this cartoon now i don't i don't really want to be seen naked with my dick hanging out yeah. and they had a rule no phones no pictures no nothing uh so it was a very safe environment you know there was naked women uh you know backstage with naked dudes and there was never any creepiness uh so i do think that lewis and big j and christina uh they do a great job of because uh, i know one female said she felt unsafe or something it's it's some blogger some nonsense everyone there was uh having a great time it was joy louis ck showed up got an amazing reaction it was nothing but joy top to bottom there's no industry there's no people you know trying to control the narrative it's just comics doing what we do and they want you to push hard push hard well i do i mean i i've uh and that's why i got into comedy man well it you know it's a catch-22 because i think i would have had more fun like uh you know at skank fest but also once again being my age i gotta start getting in front of industry no uh, i get it so it's like a tough like do i do i want to have fun uh, which i you know but uh because the stand-up shows at skank fest are amazing yeah because uh, it's podcast fans I mean, yeah. it's almost a podcast festival yeah, it's um, weird. It's like when I'm getting recognized and people are coming up to me for photos, I go, these guys are die hard. They're die hard. They're just listeners. They everything we do, every all the energy we put into this, they they know who we are and they respect it and they appreciate it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember when I walked out in the back patio of the creek in the cave, and I'm not saying I was mobbed, but like, uh, you know, I had like probably 20 dudes come at me at once and go, you're inappropriate, Earl, we love your podcast. And it's like, wow, this is it's cool. This is why I do the podcast, like, to have this fan base. Yeah. They're very loyal. Like, they'll buy your CD or your special or, you know, like, Gomez and uh, Shafir put, the, I think they $5, you can go on their website and just bypass netflix and yeah i like that attitude uh from the artist to the consumer no middleman well it's like molly crew that they have the rights to their own masters so although they're i don't know if they'd like to be on a record label but like they make more money now because they're in control of, of their own product right versus like taylor swift who just had her uh masters bought by some other dude uh so i'm sure she makes money still but like right this guy's in charge of no we're gonna put a greatest hits album out you yeah. don't want to do it too bad yeah yeah yeah. here's your check right uh so i think uh, the Skankfest crew is uh you know it is punk rock it's like motorhead and a yeah and it was like jake the snake was there it was like they had pro wrestling during the day then you got, you got red band and tony hinchcliffe doing kill tony it's it's a lot of fun, and I, fe I felt like I needed to get out there because I, I know you lived in L.A. for a long time. I just moved back out here. I started in 2005, and it was fun, and I remember just being so eager and hanging out everywhere. It's when Dane was coming up through MySpace, and then I come back in 2019. Everyone's lost their fucking minds. It's like everyone's overly sensitive, heavily medicated, high. Uh, it's just it's so... I, I, it's not fun for me this comedy right now it's it's not a good time well 
I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, it doesn't seem like being funny is high up on the equation of things. It's like, uh, you know, who can out wacky than the, the wackiest comic, you know? And like, that's not why I got into comedy. I just want to be fucking funny. Yeah. But that's not what it's about, really. It's It's like you know uh and then as as great of a show as like something like roast battle is it's also crowded the pool with a lot of comics beginning comics i don't like saying open mic comics cause it's kind of dismissive uh oh i'll just do roast battle and i'll get famous from that and then, yeah let's say you do well at roast battle you know you're gonna be asked to do 45 minutes of stand-up roast battle if you're in a let's say a five joke roast battle that's under three minutes of yeah. actual material you're going to be doing so you know there's uh i think a lot of people take shortcuts yeah and there is no shortcuts in this but also i just i the business of this is taking over of what we set out to do obviously we want, want to have a make a living but it's who you know and like there's comics who won't talk to me because i'm friends with kevin brennan it's that simple it's so stupid it's now like, explain like because i i know the story but uh kevin has a podcast it's called misery loves company and i'm on there quite a bit i, I met kevin a few years ago and um kevin basically he's a guy who's been in the industry for a long time he was you know he was a he was on saturday night live he was a writer he wrote for the norm show he had a half hour specials he's done pretty much everything you can do as a comedy he has a sitcom deal then he got to the point in his career where he's just like, fuck it. He call, and he starts calling out all the bullshit, which is refreshing in this industry right now because there is a lot of bullshit. No one's talking about it. And there's a lot of, you know, just people pandering, kissing ass, and, and he's just calling things out. So I happen to go on his podcast a lot. And because of that relationship, uh, I see comics just, they're starting to distance up themselves from me, you know? And I'm like, really? I thought we were friends. And, and I, so I, I started getting a little bit of bitter, a little angry, and I'm starting to be more outspoken. It's not serving me well, but I'm honest. Like, I'm just being honest. I'm just calling it out. And, and you know, kind of like Kevin is like, because why not? It's like, we're, we're afraid of this invisible boogeyman. I'm still working full time. Well, I mean, it's a fine line, I think, between uh, being honest and, and, and burning bridges and, and like it's like i've been often accused probably within the last year of being bitter and it's like i'm just honest like yeah so i don't you know it depends uh i think some people take on these aggressive uh, characters just to get noticed it's like fake anger bitterness i don't think yours is fake i, I play a little wwe with this sometimes because my I, i've said this before my favorite the reason why I, my favorite comedian of all time is rowdy rowdy piper like I wanted to be him. I wanted to talk shit into a microphone and it just happened to be stand up. So Roddy Piper, in my opinion, was the ultimate heel. And I subscribed to Piper. And I know that's a, a friend of your former yes. friend of yours. So I always wanted to be like the guy you love to hate. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, you know, in this day and age, it's um, I think it helps and hurts you to, to do that. Uh I think you uh, can build a, a fan base of like the outlaw going rogue uh, comic, but then, you know, 
certain comics and clubs are like, well, we can't touch this guy or girl. I mean, there's not too many girls who right do that persona. Uh, well, mine's just like I just I'm I see all the bullshit. And I'm just tired of it, man. It's because this is what this isn't what it was supposed to be. And you know, you got I, we talked about Neil earlier. I used to like Neil. I was a fan of his podcast and. He won't even talk to me because I'm friends with his brother. I'm like, dude, that's your brother saying that shit, not me. Because they don't, I don't know the story there. Uh, I mean, I see Neil at the comedy store. I give him a fist bump. He's always very like, yeah. hey, hey, Earl. Nothing, I used to do that. <laughs> nothing outside of that. I mean, uh, uh, they don't like each other. What's their beef? Their whole thing is, and I'm not going to speak for Kevin or Neil, but the way I always looked at it, it's their brothers. Okay, that's their business. Right. Whatever Neil Kevin's saying about Neil, I think Neil takes the high road all the time to his defense. But Kevin isn't a fan of his younger brother. And, you know, I, I didn't choose sides. I'm just having to be friends with Kevin, you know. But now Neil, I, I reached out to him because he does that show in Santa Monica. Right. The and, three Neil Brennan and friends at the I, I always want to still call it West Side Eclectic Theater. Yeah. What's it called now? West Side Comedy or. OK. I don't know. I just moved here in January, so I sent a message. I was comfortable enough to send him a message, and he basically wrote back. He goes, no, dude, no, you've been talking shit about me, and this is not how it works. I still have the messages, and I go, what are you talking about? I'm not talking shit about you. He goes, yeah, people at the store talk. I'm very well liked there. I'm like, I never talk shit about you at the store. So he fabricated a whole thing. So to his defense, okay, maybe there's a comic out there that hates me and said some shit that wasn't true to him. I'll give him that, but I never said anything bad about Neil Brennan. Well, that's also the problem in in the world of I, I don't know what New York stand up is like because uh, I've only literally performed there one time. Uh, thank you to Patrick Milligan and the stand. Yeah, the new stand is open. Please check it out. Ready for business. Uh, looks amazing through the pictures. Uh, but the L.A. comedy scene, I mean, I it's probably half the reason I'm not on the iTunes uh, charts anymore. Is some uh, I'll assume roast battle comic you know set or he doesn't have permission for that music or i'm sure people talk shit about me and i'm fairly well liked uh yeah you're very well liked but i'm sure there's one comic out there uh who uh i don't know if i'd say anyone's jealous of me but like uh, well fuck earl i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna say to this booker uh you know oh that's happened to me man that's why i'm getting bitter it's just like all right you guys want to play this because i will I will publicly call you out. I will call you out. See, I won't. I'm more passive aggressive. <laughs> that's probably serving you better than what I'm doing. Well, I mean, it's, I, I, but that's how I am in life. Like when I play hockey and someone slashes me, uh, I, I don't slash them back right away. I've waited as long as two years to slash someone back because I like getting in people's heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you take a more straight line approach. I like to, uh, I'm all about the mental, uh, manipulation i remember anthony jeselnik years ago told me the same thing where he keeps a memory rolodex of people that have wronged him oh i do <laughs> but not, i'm lucky not too many people have wronged me but uh you know it's a small world this business and uh you know the more successful you get the, the smaller it gets you'd think it would get bigger right but it, you know the more we do comedy is is the the more you realize the fewer people that actually make it <laughs> So yeah. if you were climbing up the L.A. ladder or New York ladder, uh, it's just, the field gets smaller. And so, like, I'm sure someone talked shit about Jeselnik when he was an open micer or a beginning comic. And now, look how dumb they feel. 
Yeah, and the level of desperation that I'm noticing now is it's it's through the roof. And I don't want like what do you mean by that? Because I see it too, but I, we probably see it in different uh, ways. Like I have friends like we, you brought up Sam Tripoli earlier. I, he's one of one of my best friends, I think. And <laughs> you guys seem to have an on and off thing. Yeah, it's a, it's almost a brotherly like big brother little brother fight. Um, Sam and I, we've had he's very passionate. Um, he goes from zero to 60. I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say that I'm pretty emotional too. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just start fighting and then we'll just start destroying each other online. And, um, it's, it's not healthy, but you know, if he called me today, said, I need to go to the hospital. Can you drive me? I'd be there in two seconds. Well, because that's the thing. And you and I are both pro wrestling fans. So I don't think people know, uh, in our particular cases, is this shtick or is he uh, doing a shoot, which for you non-wrestling fans, a shoot is when the wrestlers are actually uh, being real. Yeah. Like if you watch, and, and it's funny we talk about this now, yesterday was uh, the 23-year anniversary of pro wrestling 9-11 when uh, Hulk Hogan dropped, oh. dropped a leg on Savage. Yeah, I mean, oh. it really was the equivalent of 9-11 in the wrestling it world. really was it was uh the th they they revealed the third man the outsiders kevin nash scott hall and it was the legendary iconic hulk hogan he turned bad but he it turned was heel so well done i mean uh the that particular it might have been the last great storyline uh because uh you know hall and nash came over from wwe uh, you know who we are they played it like oh my god they, they really they're still in the wwe and they came over here to destroy the company and then they do a series of i think it took about overall maybe a month and a half to two months uh of vignettes with sting i'll fight you and whoever you can bring and they started talking about a mystery partner and you know no one knew who it was and, and then it was originally supposed to be sting he oh. was supposed to be the one who turned uh, but I think Hogan maybe said, no, I want to do it. Uh, and, and then that first year, the NWO was amazing. Uh, so, but it, it, you know, Boy, that they speech, beat a dead horse with the NWO. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you had like Horace Hogan and it was like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, buff Bagwell, but buff the stuff. Uh, <laughs> but when, uh, going, sh you know, uh, doing a shoot is what Hogan did. Uh, after that match when he started talking about the WWF and how he made the company and how he made Vince McMahon money and they effed him over. You could tell he really meant. Like, yeah. It was such a passionate, like the realistic side of pro wrestling came out in that eight-minute speech. Yeah. Uh, and they were throwing garbage in the ring. Fans kid, were booing. The, the white guy in the ECW shirt was crying yeah uh, and that's so i think that's what people when they see you on twitter uh maybe to a smaller degree me doing attention la comics they're like well is he being real or is like is he is this like is this phony between him and tripoli or you and i know pat oswald had a you know a, a situation yeah, me and pat we me and pat gotten together we decided we were going to do that that was a whole shoot but people don't know <laughs> like uh no that guy seriously literally that was my 9-11 on Twitter. <laughs> well, it's not something personally I would have done to a pretty big comic, but hey, I'm not, I don't tell people how to behave. Uh, so, 
you know. So let's finish up with the okay. Tripoli sorry, thing. Sorry. No, no, it's this is like the whole point of the podcast is just going off in a million directions. Uh, I really should change the name of this podcast to like the Rambling, whatever. Uh, so you and Tripoli, the Rambling Earl, because Tripoli has blocked you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm still blocked. Um, we blur the lines from time to time, and I sometimes we'll get so deep into it, like I don't think he knows if it's true. We we don't know. We're blurring the. We don't know what's going on half of the time. And we made up at Skankfest. We had a uh, Jim Florentine had an intervention with us. We hugged. And then I haven't spoken to him since. I'm still blocked on Twitter. I'm blocked on his phone. I don't know what's going on. I'm a, Sam's done very well for himself. I, I don't know when he, exactly he started doing the tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy theories, but it's blowing up. Yeah, he's doing well. Uh, I'm stopping by the store tonight to find out we're, if we're friends or not. Because he has his show tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then stand-up shows at the store are killing it. Uh, so, uh, and then what? What was your uh, tell the fans what happened with you and Pat Oswalt? Tell us from the beginning because I don't think a lot of my fans, right, or, or maybe they have, because uh, I don't even re really know. Take it from here. Yeah. Well, basically, Stripley was the one who kind of hit me to Pat Oswalt. He's uh, Sam's very opinionated. And I'm getting tired of this woke nonsense, this whatever. What do we got to do? Vegan now? Okay, I'm a vegan. Uh, feminist? Okay, I'm a feminist. I hate this fall in line, what you're supposed to do. It, it bothers me because it's just so, I don't know. It just seems gross. Patton Oswalt started out as a comic. He was considered a uh, alt comic. He was uh, not a club guy. He was just, you know, he was the comedians of comedy. You had Zach Galifianakis. You had uh, Brian Posehn. He was against the system, but now Patton Oswald is in the system. He is the guy. You know, I'm saying he's uh he's on a TV show, he's in movies, and uh he's he's very political on Twitter, and it's very I hate anyone talking politics. It, it, half the time nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. And it's so polarizing, so dividing, especially in comedy. So whatever issue is going on, I know what side Patton Oswald's gonna take every single time. There's a tweet. That was sent out about Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out and right. Us. And he said he would not cast white male leads. So Patton had a very, quote, pandering tweet saying, I, I forgot how exactly how it went, but it was kissing Jordan Peele's ass. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Patton, how about you give up your roles? How about all those roles that you take? You give them up to people of color. And I, I call him a Hollywood suck ass. And I just, I just sent it to him. I never thought he would respond. And not only did he respond, he quote responded so his followers would uh, engage. And I was kind of pissed at that because I, I got all these Twitter bots coming at me. I mean, my at mentions were just blowing up. And I made a horrible decision. And I don't even want to bring it up right now because I feel bad about this. I said something about Brody to him. It was out of line. And this was after Brody had passed? Yes. Like about a couple weeks. Right. I said, no wonder why Brody didn't like you. That was on a... It was completely inappropriate that I said that. You know, I don't think Brody would have been happy that I said that. So that's the one thing I do regret. But then I start getting bombarded from everybody. And then his wife comes and tweets at me. She was in that movie Dream a Little Dream. If you remember. Is that her. the one with Corey Film? Yeah. Oh, she yeah. played the girl in it. I don't know her. That was her his wife? That's his wife now. Oh, she's Chloe or was, was Meredith something? Meredith Salinger? That's his wife? Yeah. Oh, shit. So she's trashing me now. And I had to Google, like, I'm like, who the hell is this? She had a lot of followers. 
And I go, oh, it's his wife. And as I'm doing this, I got all these people tweeting that Pat Oswald killed his wife, like a bunch of from doing Kumia Network, Kevin, all these bots and trolls. I didn't hear anything about that story until that day. So when his wife tweeted at me, I naturally said, hey, sister, sleep with one eye open tonight, knowing your significant other. And then he quote tweets it saying, oh, now he's threatening my wife. Right. And, and now everyone's coming at me. I'm trending on Twitter. I'm the number one trending thing. <laughs> I got comics blocking me. People unfollow me left and right. Like Kelsey Cook, she uh, she unfollows me. Ian Black Bag blocks me. Uh, Christopher Titus starts getting getting in on it. Like he has Patton's back. Like he needs a guy with five million Twitter followers doesn't need Patton Oswald doesn't need Chris. You're good. You don't need anyone. He doesn't need your help. So I, I start getting a Twitter war with him, and it's getting ugly. And uh, I had to make my account private because I was just getting bombarded. Long story short, that night we were taping Punch Drunk. I used to be on Punch Drunk Sports. Uh, Sam had me come on the show. And that's on All Things Comedy. All Things Comedy. And we usually taped on Tuesdays, but that day we were taping on Thursday night. So I said, hey, call in the, the show if you guys want to talk about this. And I put the phone number to All Things Comedy. And they got they start freaking out because they start going after All Things Comedy. And For having you on. Yeah, for having me on, they were calling me alt right. Like I, like I was like, they made it political when it wasn't because Patton's, you know, political. Like they thought you were like the comic version of Michael Savage, Savage <laughs> Nation. That's a good, good way of putting it. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> well, I used to listen to that. Show. I, I love this alt right, like the freaks. Like, yeah, uh, it's just funny to me. But so, they, so just for the got, record, I'm neither. I'm in the middle. I don't care. I think you're all crazy. Oh, I'm the same one. Yeah. So, uh. So I guess people at All Things Comedy start freaking out. Mike, the manager there, calls Sam in the middle of the broadcast, says, I want that guy out of the studio. Get him out now. Sam flips out, throws me out, and says, uh, dude, you got to go home. I don't know. It's, this, is, this is above me. It became everyone's knee-jerk reaction to Pat Oswalt opening this up to his fan base on Twitter. Everyone was freaking out over these tweets. Friends were unfriending me. To the point, and it, it really like it opened my eyes at how shallow this business is and how shitty these people are. And I, uh, to this day, I still get asked about that. And it's, it's affected me a little bit, definitely, because there's some comics who won't work with me because uh, I'm considered A, toxic, or B, what I said to Patton. Well, I think uh, a lot of comics, and probably myself included, uh, this business is very energy draining. Yeah. So uh, I think they try and eliminate any energy wasters. I'm not saying you're an energy waster, but like in their minds, you might be. Uh, and so it's just like, like I only want to do comedy with people I like. Yeah, me like, too. Or, or get along with. I don't even have to like their comedy or, or uh, you know, like uh, the other night at the Ice House, I was on a show. And I, it was heavenly because I loved everyone on the show. Yeah, so, uh, and okay. shout out to D for booking that place. Oh, now D's killing it right now. Yeah, it's and, it's like a good hang to be there. And Paige is doing great at the Improv. Uh, I want to know. know I don't get spots. Well, I don't get a ton <laughs> of spots there, but I think they're all looking at the comedy store model of, uh, you know, I mean, the lineups at the store are uh, just like all-star lineups every well, it's night. It's the hottest club in the country. But I think every club in L.A. Uh, is starting to go, okay, you know, let's get a late-night comedy scene going. 
they're trying to mimic what the store is doing, but the store is the store. It's its own thing, man. Well, yeah, I mean, like roast battle is it, it, not to, the show means so much to me. I always have to bring it up. Uh, I think only the comedy store could have gotten no. that show going. Uh, it just wouldn't have been the same at any other club. It's part of the DNA. Uh, you know, even in New York, I mean, uh, I don't know if there was a club, uh, maybe the stand uh, when it was in the underground. Uh, yeah, it's good vibe you down know, there. Could have been. Uh, but uh, at least other clubs are now trying to go, oh, let's get a late night scene going. Let's, uh, you know, uh, but, the, you know, the other night at the, at the Ice House, it was Ryan Stout, Kevin Shea. Oh, those good uh, guys. Um, a couple others. I'm, I'm, uh, and Petey uh, Giovine. Uh, oh, yeah, Petey Giovine. But yeah. it was just like. Pete's great. Uh, and uh, I like all those guys, too. But it was just like so fun. There was no drama. No one's uh, trying to impress each other with their credits because everyone on the show is a, a headliner. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and it was just like, wow, this is why I want to do comedy. Yeah. And that, that group you just named right there, it, they're just solid dudes that, you know, they're they're out there, you know, working it. They're not celebrities, but they're great comics. Yeah. It was just like, wow, this is like, I often have told like Jason Galern, if I ever get big enough to like whatever headline or that's another great comic, Jason Galern. I just want to do like comedy with you and, and, and you and, and just people I get along with. There'll be no drama. We'll have some laughs. We'll all do well. Uh, you know, it's like kind of like the Rogan model of you. Rogan has insulated himself with just his friends. Yeah. So he he does the road like this weekend at the UFC in Vegas. He had a theater show with uh, Ian Edwards and Ali McCoskey. I'm sure there wasn't one second of drama. No. Uh, and that's how I want to do it. So I think maybe people uh, look at you as he could be a wild card. What if he tells the uh, the MC to fuck off? Or, well, that's the thing is I'm always like I grew up class clown. I was always I had a ton of friends and it just seemed like my adult life is when people started hating me <laughs> when I hit my 30s is when people just started to have a problem with me. But like I go out with Jim Florentine and Godfrey a lot. Those are good friends of mine that were very close and I talk to them about all this and they just say, you know what? You're your own guy. And the reason why we like you because you don't pander. You're like you're real and we know that and. When you say something, we believe you. So there are other there are comics that are, do appreciate me being honest. Oh yeah, well I mean I think it depends on what your version uh, of pandering or uh, whatever is. I mean I've had people tell me I'm a kiss ass because I I sent out a tweet recently saying thank you to Jeff and Comedy Central for a good time. That's Cluster gratitude, Fest. man. They help yeah. you out. Every time I see Dice Clay, uh, I saw him at a Fourth of July party. I'm like, dude, you got me in this. You got me into comedy. Was like, at Tom Green's house? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I saw you at the Wiltern in 88, I missed uh, a King game. The Kings were playing the Calgary Flames that night. I said, I want to go see this. I knew Dice from the show Crime Story. Oh, yeah. So Michael I, Mann. Yeah. So I was like, I want to see the guy from Crime Story do comedy. Did you tell the, him that? Yeah. And he probably uh, loved it. But every time I see him, I'm like, dude, you got me into wanting to be a comic. Now, that might seem to some as being a total ass kid, but I really mean it. Like, no man, I'm I'm very grateful for people that have helped me. Sam Tripoli has helped me immensely. I'll always be eternally grateful, even if we're not talking. Um, Jim Florentine at one point was responsible for fifty percent of my income. I'll always I'll take a bullet for Jim. Uh, you know, it's like guys like Dice who paved a way for so many comics, opened so many doors. Definitely show gratitude. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not kissing ass. But that like that goes into like being honest. So you're better. Uh, you know it's like i'm in the furthest thing from better 
I got a little bit of money. I got a big dick. Yeah. Uh, what are you, Virgil? Uh, yeah. No, I'm not 14 <laughs> inches. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I'm not. It's Virgil. But, you know, I, if I feel wronged, I let people know about it. Yeah. Uh, so Same with, like, we, we were talking when I got in here. You're, you're good friends with Ian Bag. Yeah. I mean, Ian, uh, before you say what your situation with Ian is, like, Ian gave me my first break or whatever you want to call it writing on his talk show which should have been on television it was just ahead of it it was tosh 2.0 before tosh tosh was a guest mm. on Ian. i mean it was really it, he ian taught me the value of uh you know i'm not the funniest guy in the room and I, not that i thought that in 2006 but i like i'm a pretty funny guy and then to see ian and and his friends who were writers on the show which included eddie gosling who i think either is or was the head writer for tosh uh and all of ian's funny friends like oh wow i got i got a lot of improvements i need to make mm -hmm. before i'm you know even considered with ian and his friends uh so he 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 gave me the uh the jump start to go i need to work harder uh so we're very good friends to this day i uh you have a beef with him which uh well yeah before i could jump into that like, let me let me just say compliments he's a great comic uh i remember when i was starting 2005 i was like on a lot of the guy i go to the i'd be on open mics and he would just show up and just like tear up the room like he he wasn't he was always getting on stage so yeah he's got a great work ethic but my problem with ian though is uh he uh well, he blocked me during the whole Patton Oswalt thing, which was stupid. And so I'm assuming he's friends with Patton. I'm I, assuming. Okay. And one time I was in New York, I was doing the Anthony Cumia show, and Ian was the guest with me. He barely acknowledged me the whole time. I tried to be nice to him, and he kind of blew me off, and he get, he just kept blowing me off. I'm like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? And then it's been infamous throughout the years. I I, I go to a club. It doesn't matter who it is. I worked with Ian Bag. How was it? He goes, dude, won't let me sell merchandise. The feature act. He was making 600 bucks. The guy won't let features sell on the road. And one time a guy said, they're here. He said, they're here for me, not you. And I think it's the biggest dick, biggest dickhead thing you could do to a comic, especially a young guy coming up. I mean, because Ian, he's probably making about 2,500 that weekend. This kid's making 600 bucks. He's just trying to get his gas money. Who knows if he's just sleeping on a friend's couch? I just think it's a shitty thing to do to a to young comics so when i found out he blocked me and he was a dick to me i called him out publicly right. I, I, I tweeted all this out because fuck him i don't care like ian bag listen you know like i, I gave you a pro you're a good comic but dude people go to the club they'll see you and then like who who was that guy last night you're not well, like some household name well i kind of agree with him on you know but like it's not like i'm not that aggressive in my stance with it but like uh you know it, it's expensive to go to a comedy show you, you know it Unless you got in for free, you know, it's you're looking at uh, two drink minimum. So, so you take a date, that's yeah. four drinks. That's probably 40, 50, 60 bucks right there. Right. Well, Ian's not selling out. So let's just, well, I don't know. I mean, but like. I'll, it, I'll answer that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's whatever tickets are for, for Ian or anyone, you know, 20 to $50. Not uh, 50. Parking, uh, you know, all that shit. Uh, Uber, if you do that. Uh, so I think the income for any spare purchases is uh, limited, uh, you know, in terms of merch. Uh, now you might argue, well, uh, they're going to buy a T-shirt from both or a CD. Uh, but I could see the 
uh, I've been on the road with certain comics where they didn't let the feature or certainly me at, at that time, the host selling uh, merch. And I've been with some who do. I don't care. I think it's I think it's a shitty thing to do. Uh, like, like going back to Jim Florentine, one time we did like a mini tour and there was like I think it was like there was like four, five comics on the show. They were all selling shit. And they're like, and I always go to the headline. Is it cool if I sell on nine times out of ten? No problem. Not a big deal. The one time Ian bag. But Jim, he doesn't give a shit, you know? It's just, I don't don't know. I just think it's a shitty thing to do. I called him out. I mean, I don't think it's right or wrong. Uh, You know, it's really up to the headliner. Uh, But I also think in some headliners' minds, and I'm certainly not speaking for Ian in this, it's like, well, if they're buying uh, your merch, you know, when you're in the lobby, they're not watching my show. or or That might be the thinking. Uh, I mean, with me. Here's Ian Bag's a good act. He's a good you're going to enjoy yourself when you see Ian and he's uh like I said, he would come into his open mics and just whip the whole room into a frenzy. He shouldn't be worried about the feature act or the MC. Like he shouldn't have to worry, you know, let, let them get gas money. That's what, that's where I stand. I mean, ultimately it is his decision and I just don't agree with it. I think, and since he he was a dick to me, I'll call him out. I don't care Uh, if I see him in the club, he ain't going to do anything. And if he does, I'll talk to him. Like I think with a man, yeah, I mean, I but I think with feature acts, you know the deal. Like, you know, you know that, uh, you know, you're not going to get paid a tremendous amount. Uh, you know, you're doing it more for the experience and the exposure of getting in front of another comics fan base. Yeah. So I think to the headlining comic, that's- Burt Kreischer, another dude. Just not only does he let you sell, Burt Kreischer, he, he'll he'll give you an additional three hundred dollars for helping out. Like, or, you know, I, I, he'll write you a check just for hanging out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rob Schneider did that with me. You know, he was like, I mean, I didn't have any merch, but, you know, he was like, yeah, whatever you want to do. You get some pencils made up with your face as the eraser. You know, he would always. It's uh, a classy but, thing to do. So, well, I mean, now we know why you, you have. And who else do you have a problem with? Or let me say this. <laughs> who else has a problem with you? Uh, I think Kelsey Cook does. I don't know why. I, uh, or does she think you're misogynistic or something? Who knows? I thought last time I saw her, she was very distant and cold. And then she unfollowed me on Twitter. And I, I said, uh, oh, Kelsey Cook unfollowed me. Too bad she's not funny or something. It was. I can see why she <laughs> might have a problem with you. <laughs> Do you really think she's not funny or, you know, is no, that I'm a shoot? A, I'm not a fan of her comedy, but that's subjective. Oh yeah, I'll never say my. I'll never say another comic isn't funny. Yeah, uh, just because it's uh, you know I remember. I know she works hard. From what I hear, I hear she's like oh like a, she works her ass off, but uh, you know, it's just not my thing. Well, I mean, it's like you said. I do think your friend Taylor Tomlinson is very funny. I like her. She's uh, one or two times has given me a very nice intro when she brings me up, and I know she doesn't know who I am. I always like that. She's when, a sweet girl. She unfollowed me too, but I think it's in defense of her friend kelsey so i'll, I'll let that one pass yeah i mean you know it's <laughs> twitter is uh, you know that's the, the bad thing about twitter or, or Inst- i guess not instagram really facebook maybe myspace back in the day is uh some things can be taken out of context uh you know and, and so that's why i always try and tell people if few people i have problems with i do it face to face yeah yeah and i and these people if i see you i'll talk to you i'm not gonna run from you um but you know this is where i stand i'm gonna pull up all the twitter things i've been blocked on because i screen captured them 
Okay. Ian Bag, Patton, of course. Kelsey, Chris Titus. That's all I got for today. <laughs> I mean, I'm blocked by three people myself, uh, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby blocked you? Yeah. I was, That's a good one. Oh, I don't, you know, the guy is what he is. Uh, He's a rapist. Yeah. I was just hammering him on, uh, you know, hey, will you come on my podcast? I've never had a professional rapist on. Uh, and, and then Stone Cold blocked me. How did Stone Cold block you? I was very uh, arduous in my support of Roddy Piper. They had a beef. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, with the, okay. Getting kicked off a podcast. He one. lives over in El Segundo. El Stone Cold? Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't be Roddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's just like, dude, you, you, I, I liked him as a heel. and Oh, Sam Tripley has me blocked, too. Uh, well, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but uh, I don't think he liked some of the things I said in support of Roddy. Uh, you know, when they had a beef going on. And then uh, Florentine did his podcast, said he was a really nice guy. So I mean, cool. I hear he is, but like, you know, uh, I. But Roddy's your guy. I get it. Well, from what I was told, uh, Stone Cold gave Podcast One an ultimatum of it's Roddy or me. And I know Roddy's uh, really uh, loved doing the podcast when you're at Roddy's level or Stone Cold's level. Uh, I mean, I think Roddy's podcast was getting the. In between fifty and a hundred thousand downloads a week. Damn, like I get, you know, you know, on SoundCloud, maybe two to five thousand listens. I've been told you times that by ten. Really? On uh, Apple, you know, on iTunes, because eighty percent of podcast listens go through iTunes. Uh, so you know, in my heyday of being on the charts, I was getting maybe twenty thousand a week. Yeah. Uh, Rogan gets um, like millions. Just put that into perspective. Yeah. So still uh, haven't been on, but uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, well I mean I think uh, when you're at that level, oh dude, I would never like a Rogan, a Dia, like Joey asked me, yeah, and it was an honor just because I know I think when you're at that level of them, they, they'll come to you. Oh yeah, no, I've always Kreischer has actually told me that he goes, Rogan will find you. Don't worry, don't. There was a comic recently. I'm not going to name his name because I'm friends with him and I don't want to blow up his spot. Right. He went up to Rogan and asked to go on the podcast. It was a really uncomfortable situation from what I hear. I I mean, it just, but I get it when people, and I'm certainly not on Joe's level, Kreischer's level, Mark Maron's level, but I know it's almost turns me off when someone asks me to come on this one because it's like, well, if I want you on, I'll ask you. Yeah. Not that it's going to help anyone that much to be on this, but like uh, it has to be organic yeah because then the people who ask you i'm sure joe's had someone on who maybe browbeat their way into all right fuck it i'll just have him on or her yeah and it wasn't a good interview just because it's like all right what do i talk to this person about yeah like no, when, i have nothing but respect for joe rogan i don't know him very well at all he's like, nice yeah he's always been very pleasant and so I think, I think in a weird way he's almost shy if he doesn't know you uh so uh like you know when we I would say we're friends, but like we're not like homies. Uh, but each time we talked a little bit more, uh, you know, just about life. Well, just the fact that you're in the store family. Yeah, that helps. That helps out a ton. Like, so I think that's what helped get me on Joey's podcast finally was sure. just, he saw me around enough and enough people, uh, you know, said, hey, this Earl guy's a nice guy or whatever. And we went on, uh, I went on like two weeks ago and we had the craziest conversation deep diving into like individual episodes of Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. Just because he's a fan. And I had no idea. 
<laughs> so I think he felt comfortable enough with me. By the way, you hated the. I, I don't want to uh, nope. sidetrack your thought process. That's the whole point. Okay, that's what you do. I sh- this should be called the sidetrack podcast. <laughs> you, I, I heard on one of your podcasts you didn't like Miami Vice the movie. I, well, I don't think it paid tribute to the TV show, and uh, like it just seemed like Bad Boys Three. Okay. Uh, like to the people, like I. That's what I don't like, and and it's why I think most remakes fail is they don't pay homage to uh, like the original. Like the people who are going to watch the Miami Vice movie are fans of the TV show. Right. I'm not saying you have pastels and, you know, yeah. uh, synth rock, uh, but there was really like Switek and Zito, if you're, if you're a Miami Vice fan, were an integral part of the show. Yeah. They were the comic relief to Crockett and Tubbs. They were left out of 95% of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a confession. Yeah. Um, I cried at the end of Miami Vice, the movie. The scene where uh, Crockett's leaving Gong Lee on the, uh, and the music playing and the, the, the emo- it, 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 I got so emotional, I started bawling. I just want to confess that to you. But, but that's, I mean, I cried at the end of uh, Miami Vice, the TV show. <laughs> Because they do this great montage of you know the the you know every season and it's done. I think the original guitar player of Chicago. It was done to a song he did, uh, and it was just a very slow, melodic, uh, haunting song. Yeah, men could put music with images oh. very well. I mean, which was one of the complaints about the TV show was like each episode was just a music video. Yeah, uh, but like. That that song was so well picked, and then over the at the end of the song, you hear the very first line uh, from the very last line of the the pilot episode. It was, "Hey Tubbs, you ever consider a career in Southern law enforcement?" <laughs> and Tubbs go, "Maybe, maybe." So it was like closed out. The, it was just like. God damn! Like yeah, bringing me back. You're getting emotional right now. And I also cried when Zito died because they had a great uh, spoiler alert. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, if you, <laughs> it's the year 2019. If you don't know, Zito died uh, in '86. It's not much of a spoiler alert, but they had this Steve Winwood song called "There's a River." Yeah, and it's just a very slow-paced, haunting song, and then Switek turns the corner and he sees Zito's been given a hot dose mm. and he's like, you know, dead in the shower. It's like, they really did it right. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, the movie was just like, just like a current movie like a fast and furious, like no emotion. There was no really character development. It was right. Like, all right, here's Colin Farrell. He's got stubble and there's Jamie Foxx, the hottest guy around right now at that time as crazy as it is i think philip michael thomas did a better job as uh tubs yeah it's just it's crazy to say that because jimmy well, Fox, they both did don johnson I mean, too don i mean those were those they developed those characters yeah it was just it it was missing the charm of the tv show there was, there was no a, alligator on the boat there was no elvis elvis the alligator there's no izzy who was like also the comic relief he was like the smooth talking jive talking puerto rican guy he was like the huggy bear in starsky and hudge right and at charlie barnett uh, there was no uh the legendary new york comic there was no 
Glenn Fry, Smuggler's Blues. Yeah, it was just like mute. The the soundtrack was you know no Phil Collins. It's kind of bland, and you know it's like the Bad News Bears uh, remake. Uh, when I say if you have that movie, go watch the end of that when he's leaving uh, Gong Li. It's an emotional roller coaster. It whipped up something in deep inside of me. I don't know what it was, but tears were flowing, my friend. They, well, you know, I didn't like the bad guys. They, they just they're paint by numbers bad guys. You know, it's like uh, I saw Creed two recently, uh, or not recently, but whatever it was three months ago, and uh, you'd think that. You know, like when you watched uh, Rocky Four, you hated Drago. Yeah, he killed Apollo. Yeah, but, but it was so well done. Like when he killed Apollo, he didn't care. He was emotionless. If he dies, he dies. Uh, yeah, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like you hated Drago. But in Creed Two, the son, Drago's son, was like, hey, this guy's just a big Russian guy. You didn't really hate him. You didn't. They made him like like sympathetic. He saved his son's life at the end. I just didn't like. I had no feeling about him as a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, what about Dolph Lundgren? Well, no, the about son? the kid. Oh, okay. It, it, you know who was basically the new Drago. Yeah. Uh, well, I have no feeling about Creed, his son Adonis. I mean, he's he, you know I'd like to see a movie about Paulie's kid. <laughs> that guy had to have some fucking severe problems. Probably a, a fucking stumbling drunk. You know, I was working like in the beginning of Rocky three where Paulie's just and he throws it through that yeah. pinball machine. That's Paulie's kid in 2019. Just a fucking booze bag. You know, I don't know. Screw my dad. Maybe he's in a band with Frank Stallone. Uh, but, but, you know, that's, you know, these remakes like that. You know, I was watching the OG Bad News Bears the other night and you could tell that movie cannot be made today. Well, they did it with Billy Bob Thornton, but you could tell like they they used child actors in the remake that you know it's like okay we need a beach blonde guy to play tanner yeah we need a fat catcher you know so they probably went to central casting okay how what fat kids do you have but that og cast you could tell they were just kids yeah they weren't actors right uh and that's why like it just missed that charm you know? i got you and all these remakes of predator you know oh you can't touch predator but they've done it like over terribly over and like uh, terribly you know i was on board with alien versus predator uh because that that's a cool like who would win in a fight uh yeah i can see that i, I did like but i'm a lance henriksen nut swinger and he was uh, in that uh but that original predator is just in theory i talked to godfrey about that he says it's to this day the most alpha male movie of all time but in theory, it should have been a horrible movie on paper because you literally had the seven worst actors. Uh, you know, when I love Carl Weathers, yeah. but when Carl Weathers is the best actor in a movie, you got some problems. Je uh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, Sonny Landham, who did porn, and he was Billy Baron 48 Hours. Yeah, he, I just found out he was in porn. Yeah, that's how he was porn and a stuntman. Oh, uh, yeah, he was Billy. Uh, he was Gans's boy in 48 yeah, Hours. Billy Bear. And he Billy was also Bear. in uh, Action Jackson as the bad guy. Oh, that's another uh, Carl Weathers vehicle. Yeah, with Bill Duke. Uh, Bill Duke. Yeah. But that, like, but it just worked because they had chemistry for whatever reason. They just had good chemistry. Uh, these, you know, like the new Predator, that Shane Black, the original, the writer of the, the OG, it's just like a bunch of like, Okay, we need a wacky black guy. We need, uh, you know, the alpha male tough guy. It's like, no, 
it just didn't work for me. Yeah. You know, go back to 48 hours. I was talking to Godfrey about this. The Gans and Billy Bear were the biggest fucking assholes of all time. They were just assholes. But it was believable. Yeah. You hated them. Like, that's what I don't like about the superhero movies now. It's like, it's just, you know, once again, a paint by numbers, buffoonish bad guy. And, and like, you look at like Gene Hackman in the first two Supermans, like, this guy's a great actor. Yeah. But he's a great villain. Uh, I I bought Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the last true great bad guy role because you could tell he sunk his teeth into it. Yeah, got dirty. Um, I mean, my favorite bad guy role ever is uh, John Glover in 52 Pickup, but that's kind of an obscure movie. (laughs) But like, if they're teaching a class on how to be a bad guy, every actor should watch 52 Pickup to see John Glover act like it was just great acting. Yeah. Uh, But it... The movie didn't do that well. And also watch forty eight watch Gans in forty eight hours. Yeah, I mean uh there's that. There's uh let me see what else. Rugger Hauer and Nighthawks? Yeah. I mean he he was perfect. I bought his book just to read the chapter he wrote about Nighthawks. Oh yeah. Uh just because him and Stallone hated each other. You told other. me about that on my podcast. He said that uh that Stallone like pushed him or something like that. Well, the very first scene that they shot was the final scene. You know, I'm an idiot. I always thought movies were shot in sequence. Yeah. Like I literally thought like, oh, that they shoot the beginning. That's that's the first scene, and they go to the next scene. That's the second scene, and like, no, movies really aren't made like that. So, and Nighthawks, the very first scene that they shot was the, the death scene when Stallone kills Rucker yeah. Hauer. And if you watch that scene. Uh, now, I guess they had a, a cable rigged up to Rucker Hauer's back, and it was set at, like, two. Yeah. So when he got shot, it would pull him back a little. Stallone's like, no, let's set it to the maximum, which was, like, 10 or something. So if you watch the scene, I mean, it did work. Uh, there's a genuine look of uh, shock and, and fear uh, of on Rucker Hauer's face because yeah. he had no idea that it was going to be that hard of a pull. Uh, but then ever since then, he he said he lost trust with Stallone and that uh, the rest of the movie, they just didn't get along. Wow. Which you can kind of tell, like in that one scene where uh, Stallone's pulled up to the cable car. Yeah. And there's a hatred between them. You could go, oh. Well, maybe that's the genius of Stallone. He's like, I'm going to set the tone. I want this guy to really hate me and go method. Well, there was a lot of pressure on Stallone for that. Did he movie. direct that? He directed it, and the the first guy uh, didn't work out, so he got fired like two days into the shoot. That was eighty one. Eighty one, I think the movie came out in eighty two. When did Staying Alive come out? Uh, eighty three. Uh, he was on a directing tear. But I forgot what <laughs> uh, he had a movie. So he did Rocky, massive hit. I think seventy eight. He did Rocky two. He had a bomb somewhere. Uh, in between Rocky Two and yeah, and Nighthawks, so uh, maybe Rhinestone. Yeah, Rhinestone with Dolly Parton came out in eighty, I think, and it was a bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on Nighthawks to be like his big hit because it was Stallone's movie. He's the star. He's directing. He's doing everything. He wrote it. What about uh, Fist? What year was that? Fist came out, I think. Uh, in but it might have been uh, around Rocky. It was pretty early on. Really. Uh, or, yeah, I think it was uh, definitely before Rocky Two. I think. I just found out Anthony Kiedis played his son in that movie. 
in Fist? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a little trivia for you. Well, his dad, Anthony Kiedis, his dad was in Lethal Weapon. Blackie Dammit. As one of the guys. In the beginning of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Blackie Dammit used to uh, sell uh, drugs out of the rainbow, uh, which is uh, on Sunset, for those of you who aren't in L.A., it's like the last bastion of 80s rock where you could today go there for dinner and you could be sitting next to Axl Rose to your left and an Axl Rose impersonator on your right. <laughs> like, it's like, the, it's literally the land that time forgot. Yeah, Lemmy's uh, old stomping yes, ground. Yes, rest in peace, Lemmy. His my, statue's right out front. My dentist uh, is very sad that you died because he made a lot of money on you. So <laughs> Dr. Michael Schneider in Westwood. Um, so what's next for you, Dad? With this controversial path you've chosen <laughs> to be a renegade, uh, almost an NWO of comics. Uh, what what's going on now? I got I got to get a crew together like the NWO. I want I want a whole thing going. <laughs> of trolls <laughs> where you guys just invade all the corporate comedy clubs. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I realize this isn't like, I'm not, I, I didn't say to myself, this is what I'm going to do now. Like, this isn't who I'm going to be. Like, I'm still like, I still love doing comedy. I like getting up, but I am not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I, I did make a conscious decision. I'm not going to play the game. I'm just, I'm just, I refuse. I don't have it in me, the energy, but if you think I'm funny, cool. Let's let's do something with that. If you don't, oh well, I'm not kissing your ass. I'm not pretending to like, you know, I'm not going to be vegan or whatever I have to or I'm not going to bash Trump because I have to do that. I'm just going to be me and and hopefully I'm going to put all my money on that and we'll see what happens. But I'm not actively looking to take someone down. Well, it is a frustrating business. I it mean, is. And, and, like Eddie Ifs mad at me right now. Well, Eddie's a wild card too. He's like a more, he's a more, uh, you know, uh, he's a, I guess he's more well known than you and I. He's like a more uh, successful version of you and me. Yeah, uh, and I like, I liked Eddie. He's a friend of mine for a long time. So, but he's mad at me. Why is he mad at you? I, I put it. I think his his wife's about to have another baby. He feels right. the pressure. Um, I featured for him, a, you know, for a long time, and then. He saw me get some club work, and he was really upset by it because he did, he in his mind he's done all this stuff, and he was like, "Well, why is Chad getting it?" And it it became a a, a huge argument between the two of us, and it, it resulted in me hanging up on him and a couple nasty texts back and forth. But I'll give him the benefit; he's going through a lot right now. Hopefully, we'll be friends again. Well, you can't really uh, worry about what other people get. I, mean, I know it's like who cares? It'll drive you crazy. I yeah. Mean, you know, you see someone who's two years into comedy getting a special. They didn't take your special away. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you're going to get a special whether they got it or not, you know. Like, I started comedy with Chris D'Elia, and that right. guy is, you know, he was just an Eminem video. I mean, playing Eminem, and Eminem was playing him, and I'm happy for him. Like, I'm, like, legit. I'm, like, wow, because Chris busted his ass. and Oh, he still works hard. Yeah. Like, uh you know but these comics who and i used to at times go why this i just did a show with this person and they bombed why why are they on tv right now and i'm watching it's like you know it's, they didn't take away my spot but you know it's right like, there's enough to go around i think there is you know it's like there's enough to go around in the podcast world if you're if you're a good podcaster your your podcast will get heard 
uh, you know, and like you said, Rogan will find you. Like, yeah. If you're good at what you do, you're, the fans will find you. Right. And like, uh, like Jeremy Piven, I, I don't care. I'll follow Jeremy Piven. I don't give a shit. He can do this. It's I fine. mean, you know, uh, I don't, uh, the, the only thing that bothers me about him and others like him, uh, is I don't know why stand up comedy is the last bastion for people to go, Oh, I, you know, like he got basically kicked out of Hollywood for allegations. Oh, I'll he got demoted to stand up. Yeah. I'll do stand up <laughs> now. It's like, well, the, 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 the true guys like you, like guys who have been, they, we don't look, I see him for what he is. He's a guy who's just going to go make, sell some tickets and tell entourage stories. And, but I, I don't respect him as a comic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, by all means, I hear he's a, I don't know. I, I hear different, but I, I, he, but he's not getting in my lane. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not, if he's headlining the laugh factory tonight, it's not like, uh, the laugh factory say, Hey, Earl, we're going to bump you for Jeremy Piven. Like, right. It's like, uh, if I got bumped for Jeremy Piven, I might be annoyed though. I mean, uh, you know, but I get it. I, oh well, yeah. I mean, I, I get why he gets spots. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, almost makes me want to start me tooing people so I can become a headliner. <laughs> but I, I, I say that kind of kiddingly, but like, it is kind uh, of you know, it's like, it's like, wow, this is like, you know, I don't see him at open mics. I don't see him. Maybe he writes. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing right now. I think Maybe. Adam Hunter was writing for him for a while. So I think he has writers. I, I, I He would have to. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I know he came up to me and he probably doesn't even remember this in the back area of the comedy store one night after I think he did Skylar Stone's show. And he's like, you know, dude, I, I think I got this. I'm like, dude, Ooh. no, you don't have that. It takes years. Yeah. Uh, i'm 16 and i don't have it <laughs> yeah i mean you know i mean adam sandler once told me and i don't say that to name drop but like who told me what he told me uh it took him nine years to figure out what he wanted to do on stage yeah now, that's not to say it takes everyone nine years or you know it took me 13 really almost 14 years to get my first tv credit but you know i know people who i mean there were comics on roast battle who were a year or two in who were on my season yeah uh, so uh you know everyone has a different path but uh you know and my path is destruction destruction anarchy i don't know it's but it's getting you noticed though i mean uh you know uh you're headlining places and opening up for big comics i mean that's like uh you know wrote the roast world has been good to me uh you know so it was this is where i realized something's going on i was just Somebody tweeted me like, hey, they're talking about you on some podcast. I don't even know the podcast where I plug them, but they're young comics and they were like talking about me like the way I would talk about like Joe Rogan or Bert. And it was just so weird. Like there's a younger generation that are looking up to what we're doing, like younger comics. And they see me as like when I saw like Dalia or Chris, you know, it's, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Does this make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know, uh, you know, I got a lot of DMs and private text or whatever. Hey, we love how you're speaking out about, you know, your situation on Roast Battle. And and then I would see other comics try and mimic it. And it's like, well, I might be for whatever you want to call it is actually legit. Like, you know, you're just trying to do shtick. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, I'm influencing people in the right way, but, uh, you know, I think he, the fact that I was on Clusterfest proved that 
I don't know if Comedy Central would say they appreciated how I did it, but uh, I think they were like, well, you know, you never really cross the line. So, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, some people like cross the line just to cross it, mm -hmm. you know, and when you have, I don't know about you, do you have a manager or an agent? Uh, I have a college agent and a radio agent. Uh, right. I'm talking to a manager right now. Like I have a voiceover agent, but yeah. like in terms of stand up and TV shows, I mean, I I've been very lucky that I, you know, through roast battle, literally got everything. Like, uh, so when you don't have a manager or an agent, uh, you know, you gotta kind of stick up for yourself. Sure. So, uh, or else you're just, oh well, let's do this to Earl, and you know, we're not really burning a bridge. Uh, well, I'm a big fan. I love what you do. Likewise, you might not. Uh, you might do things in a way I might. Uh, <laughs> Not, but I'm also older than you, and the, you, as you learn, you, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll learn a lesson. You know? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> not, my way's not necessarily the right way. I'm far from uh, in any position to give advice on how to make it. Yeah, uh, I could probably teach a class on what not to do. Sure. Uh, but you know, I started with Whitney and Jazzelnick, and yeah, I was around that same time. I mean, like I used to do open mics with Jazzelnick. I remember. Uh, and, and Whitney and I would do the Sportsman's Lodge on Friday nights. I think I probably done one of those gigs with you guys. Yeah, I mean, there was a club we I used to do in Culver City with Jazzelnick a fair amount. I forget the name of the club, but Dan Rosenberg used to run it. It was his comedy club, uh, and uh, so that just goes to show you, like you know, obviously Anthony. Uh, went left and uh, i should have gone left i went right and, yeah uh, you know uh but uh you know we'll see what happens props to jesel because he always had that thing and when no one knew who he was i i, I remember being in date with him and just him bombing bombing but he stayed the course and he's doing exactly what he's doing now except nobody oh, yeah. got it i mean and all it takes is for one person of influence to help you uh you know who can help you like you know uh one manager one agent one uh you know like Tyler. rogan yeah i mean <laughs> you get on rogan i mean rogan's made careers like you know from hinchcliffe to duncan to ari to kreischer to uh tom you know, tom and christina eddie bravo uh you know any i'm i have not been on the podcast yet but anytime he mentions my name you know usually roast battle related I get a hundred new followers, like oh, wow. within two minutes. How powerful! Uh, and you know, and then that got me on Joey and, and Joey. Like you know, it's it's you know, if you're funny, it'll happen. Yeah, you, you know, Chad is the real deal. I often say that about a lot of people, but he keeps it real. Where can people find you, Chad, on Twitter? Yeah, just my name, Chad Zumok. Uh, you better spell that for my family. Z U M O C K. Two syllables, Zumok. Follow me on Instagram. I thought Instagram was going to be a fad. I like Vine, so I was late to the game. So I've been playing catch up with the Instagram. That's what the kids like. That's where all the girls go, all the fans. But uh, yeah, hit me up there. I got a podcast called Sit Down Zumok. You can su hit subscribe if you like Earl. I. I, I one of my episodes with Earl, I got a couple great emails about having Earl on, and uh, thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of the podcast and a fan of you. Well, I'm a fan of yours, uh, and this is one of the reasons I started this fucking stupid podcast was just to talk to pe people I'm friends with. Yeah, uh, you know. So calm down if I'm not in rat, dude. 
It was a good talk. It was a great conversation. Well, yeah, it's about two guys, uh, you know, around the same generation who are probably, I mean, we're, frankly, me and Chad are in the worst category you can be in this business, an average-looking white guy. <laughs> but it's true, though. And people would say, you're bitter. But it, I'm telling you, and to you comedy fans who are not savvy in the comedy business, the, the worst thing you can be in this business is an average-looking white guy. I got to say this. Am know, I wrong? I, I'm totally, you're 100% right. And just to back it up, about a year ago, I was talking to Nikki Glazer, and she said something like, well, like, what do you plan on doing in this business? I was, I was like, I'm a white guy named Chad in 2018. Nothing's going to happen. And she's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> she's, and that's, that's a, someone who has had a lot of opportunity. <laughs> well, I mean, you either have to be, uh, you know, obese uh, you have to have uh, missing digits. Uh, you know, I'm kind of somewhat kidding, but uh, or you have to just like Rob Schneider told me, become so good, undeniable. And I think he said Steve Martin told him this because they started in San Francisco, Holy City Zoo, uh, legendary comedy scene in Frisco. Become so good they can't deny you. Yeah, and uh, you know I have taken that to heart. Uh, I, I in my case, you know, being on a cartoon. Uh, has gotten me into rooms and clubs and, and gigs that I, I probably wouldn't have gotten if I weren't on the cartoon. Like, they literally said, we have to have this guy Earl on. He's on the show. There you go. So, uh, you know, and you're creating controversy. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of club owners are like, let's have him on. People yeah. will tune in. That's how I got the Stress Factory. Yeah, Vinny that's Brand a big club. Vinny Brand loves me on Twitter, and I hit him up. He goes, let's do this. I got a date for you. So... But that's a big you know, stress factory in Jersey. It's like a huge club back east, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure I can't say what Benny's thinking was, but it's like, hey, this guy's controversial. Whether people love him or hate him, they're going to come. Yeah. Uh, and that's almost a comedy club's wet dream. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what Skankfest is like. Uh, you might not like the style of comedy that goes on, but we're going to have something for everyone here. We're going to have Chad and Earl there who, you know, are not new, but unknowns. We're going to have Louis C.K. do a drop-in. The year I was there, Gaffigan was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, you know, uh, Big J, obviously, there and, and killing it. So, uh, you know, there's many paths to make it. I'm more passive-aggressive. Chad is more aggressive. We're mm. both on the, you know, the path to whatever we're on. So uh, leave a review. Five stars, bitches. Well, just leave a fucking review. It literally takes 30 seconds, which is the that which has been one of the frustrating things about, you know, we just talked for, what are we at now? We are at uh, an hour and a half podcast. Free content. Free content. Chad probably spent money and gas to get here. Yeah, I pay, I spent money and gas. I came in from Sherman Oaks, and I paid uh, $4.25 at the meter. Which is a pain in the ass. Sherman Oaks in L.A. traffic is probably a half hour. And it's, I had to walk up to your house. It's now 4.30 in L.A. traffic on a Tuesday. It probably literally will take him 40 minutes to get home. And then he's going to have to drive back to go to the comedy store. So, you know, he probably literally... This podcast costs him $20 to do. Yeah. That might not seem like a lot of money in the grand scheme of life, but the least you could do is leave a review for Chad's podcast. Inappropriate Earl. What's your name? One more time. Sit down, Zumok. You know, it's literally it would take you, if you left a review for both of us, it would take you literally under two minutes. And that's how the algorithms work. Like the more, you know, Rogan has like 
I think, 100,000 reviews. Not ratings, but actual people who said, yeah. this podcast is great. I loved having uh, you talk, Joe talking to David Lee Roth about Mark Barron, same thing. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for you to get us to 100,000. A couple thousand bumps the numbers up. And then more people want to do your podcast. Yeah. So, and then you know. you'll get the lead singer of Poison. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to have Brett Michaels on. But he's probably going to look and go, okay, uh, who, all right. oh, he had Stephen Piercy on, but uh, he only has 213 reviews. Fuck that. Yeah. But if you have a couple thousand reviews, oh, it's maybe it's worth my time. Next thing you got, next thing you know, Todd Bridges is sitting on your couch. But I would, that's who I would want. <laughs> Peter Weller from RoboCop. Murphy. Um, your move, creep. <laughs> I'd like to have the guys who, the bad guys in that movie. Kurtwood Smith. Oh, he was great. Clarence Boddicker. The guy who said, I'd buy that for a dollar. But that's the guy, I mean, no one would get it. But like, yeah, I'd love to have Tom Cruise on. But I'd also like to have the guy who said, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> or the, you know, the guy he did the gun deal with in the warehouse. I don't want to fuck with you, Sal. But I got enough guns to blow this stupid WAP factory up your ass. <laughs> Frankie, blow this cocksucker away. Guns, guns, guns. Come on, Sal. The Tigers are playing Detroit tonight. I never miss a game.